Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Four years ago, the province of Alberta passed the Opioid Damages and Healthcare Cost Recovery Act back in 2019. Um, just a few months before that, the government announced that, yes, um, they would be taking part in a class action lawsuit that was initiated actually by the government of British Columbia, I think. Um, that one is expected to be certified in court later this month. There'll be a hearing on that. Um, this week, the Alberta government introduced a new bill that updates the legislation from 2019, changes that the province says will strengthen their case in these class action lawsuits. There's more than one uh, that are now pending. So let's get the details on what we're talking about here with uh, the Honourable Dan Williams, UCP MLA for Peace River and the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Uh, Minister Williams, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you bet. So did I get it right? There's two class action lawsuits Alberta's attached to, right? Well, that's right. We're looking to be certified in yeah. two class action lawsuits based out of British Columbia that every single province and territory is participating in. Gotcha. Okay. And as I said, the certification hearing, you're hoping to be certified. That could happen later this month, at least for one of them, correct? That's right. I think it's the 27th of yeah. November for the first one and February 6th for the second certification. Gotcha. Okay. Now, the provincial legislation that was passed uh, around this back in 2019, tell us about that. What what was it intended to do? What does it talk about? Sure. So it was passed unanimously in the House uh, in the early days of the United Conservative Kenny government, and its purpose is to hold the pharmaceutical industry and those associated with it responsible for their role in creating the addiction and opioid crisis that we're facing today in Alberta, and to be honest, across the entire West. Right right around the world almost. So um, the three new changes uh, in the legislation uh, introduced this week, walk us through them. uh, What's been changed from 2019 to now? Sure. It's really a question of technical amendments because of the timelines around these certification hearings. So the certification hearing allows us to take part in the class action suit. Obviously, that is good for us so we can recuperate those funds. Um, There are ones where we're defining the market share uh, more clearly between distributors and manufacturers. Another technical amendment that allows us to include consultants as part of the, the folks that can be liable for this and then and defining it. And then the third piece is one around a, a clarification around the definition of an opioid product and active ingredient. So often these sorts of bills would be included in miscellaneous amendment um, at the end of the session, cleaning up lots of little things. Yeah. Uh, because of the timeline, we're moving it forward more quickly. Um, the consultant piece, ha- help me with that. Are you talking about like pharmaceutical reps? Uh, who, who, when you say consultants, who does that define? Well, in, in this case, uh, there's really just one that is a part of, and it's the only one that's being certified in the second lawsuit. It's McKin- McKinsey Consultant Canada is who uh, was participating in this. So it would be the marketing scheme. The, the fundamental piece here is a question of whether they were um, misrepresenting and being incredibly dishonest uh, with Canadians, Albertans. Uh, and we saw this happen in the States about a decade earlier with their civil litigation that happened and representing the facts about whether or not these opioids are, you know, clearly labeled, therefore low risk medication, non addictive, 
yeah. uh, that public health would benefit from a mass distribution, uh, and that if only the people taking it were the ones that were going to be consuming it, there'd be no what we call diversion of taking that high-powered opioid, passing it on to someone else. Uh, so those were the kind of claims that folks made, and the technical litigation is about whether they were misrepresenting and if they play a, a, an important legal and financial cost in what they've done to contribute to this crisis. Um, there's already been settlements, right? Purdue has already settled before uh, these cases even got to, I mean, this has happened in other jurisdictions, so we already know that the pharmaceutical companies have in some cases settled or had judgments mm-hmm. against them. That's right. Um, and we feel very strong about the case, but obviously we're going to make sure the litigation continues. There's approximately 50 different companies involved, uh, named defendants in this, in the statement of claim in BC and in the, in the certifications we're hoping to join. Purdue has agreed and settled uh, for approximately $150,000. Purdue and I think yeah. two or three of its subsidiaries. That 150 is across Canada. Uh, $150 million is across Canada. So we're going to see what our share is of that as time goes on. But there are a remaining 40-odd different companies that remain in litigation in this class action. Um, you said during your announcement that you're determined to, quote, get every red cent from those who are responsible for causing this crisis. What do you intend to do? How much money do you think it might be? And what would that money be used for? Well, I can tell you every single dollar and red cent we get out of this is going to go back into helping those with their crisis in mental health and addiction into our Alberta recovery model, which we've been pioneering, taking a big policy tack. It's a big change from what we've seen across the entire West uh, and, and is on full display in cities like Vancouver and San Francisco. And we're taking a different approach. Instead of just facilitating the addiction, the Alberta model is really about recovery and getting people out of addiction and helping them rather than just letting them continue in that in that spot. So all those dollars are going to go towards the Alberta recovery model. And as far as how much, I mean, I'm not going to um, comment on ongoing negotiations yeah. and litigation. I think it's best to let that play out. But if anything's an idea, we've had one company settle for 150. We'll see where the other 40 odd end up. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the recovery model. And, you know, speaking with uh, advocates and people who work with uh, addiction and people dying in the streets from it, uh, they say this. I mean, they're not saying that this isn't an important thing to do, but at the same time, it's sort of is a distraction or overlooks the fact that it's not pharmaceuticals that are killing people in Alberta right now, several a day, as a matter of fact. It's a toxic, illicit drug supply that's happening. So what's being done in that area? I mean, I know you talk about the recovery model. Is it working, Minister? I mean, we've got more people dying than ever before. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. 
Uh, I believe it's working. I believe we're getting started. Uh, We have two out of 11 recovery communities that we've committed to. Uh, And I I think anyone who believes it's not working, I'd like them to speak to the families and the individuals who were um, hypoxic, dying, um, overdosing regularly with brain damage coming out of it, minus 40, living on the street, compelled to continue speedballing a combination of methamphetamine and fentanyl because they had a physiological um, addiction to continue doing that before they even eat, losing a fifth mm-hmm. of their body weight with uh, meth-induced psychosis. They are now living full, um, fulfilled lives with their families, their husbands and their daughters again. Uh, they are in the community again. They're volunteering. I think those cases are so important to identify because this is the truth, Shay. Certainly. When it comes to the deadly disease of addiction, there are only two outcomes. Given enough time, Someone will either die from an addiction or they will go through treatment, recovery, and have a new lease on life. And that's what the Alberta model is about. But so you, I, you, I don't think I could call it a distraction at all. I think it is the heart of anybody who takes addiction seriously. But you just very eloquently outlaid the problem with the recovery model. There are two outcomes. There's recovery or death. Um, and if you don't make it to recovery... People die. You ask me if I've spoken to people who've recovered. Absolutely, I have. Many of them. Trust me. Have you spoken to the families of people who died, that never made it to recovery, that Absolutely. you know had the physiological addiction that you talk about, where you know they got drugs before they got food, didn't get to the recovery beds, and ended up dying in the street? I mean, there's two sides to this coin. I, I would, I could not agree more that that those are the individuals that we absolutely need to focus on uh, and get them into recovery. And the fact is, as long as we know the fact that there's either a choice between recovery or death, that means we need to put every single available resource into recovery before anything else, because every other option can only lead to death. Unfortunately, no, it, well, facilitating addiction is something that will only facilitate more and more addiction and unfortunately more pain, more misery, and sadly, more death. Do you have recovery? Like, if, if I knew somebody right now that was hopelessly addicted, could you get them into recovery today? And I, I am working on reducing that wait list to zero. We have a number right. of different programs that we can do today, including the Virtual Opioid Dependency Program, which is the first in the entire Western world. I know of nowhere else that has same-day access to evidence-based um, uh, treatment for medical treatment uh, for folks suffering from opioid addiction. Yeah. It's called opioid agonist therapy. Yes. Yeah. And so we as a government have pioneered that since we've gotten elected uh, in 2019. We're treating thousands of people every single day. The data around virtual opioid dependency program, or OAT, is incredibly, incredibly successful when paired with recovery resources like social cycle supports and therapy, when paired with recovery housing, when paired with treatment. So this is what we need to do to make sure that people who want to get clean get the resources they need. We've also partnered with organizations like Oxford House, which is a terrific organization that has pre-treatment housing. If there is a wait list for the treatment you're looking to get into, then we can send people to this clean, sober, recovery-oriented pretreatment housing as as a stopgap, and we're looking to expand programming like that. We recognize that not everyone fits into the exact same model. Not everyone has the exact same treatment regime, mm-hmm. but I know that helping people continue to stay addicted will not help them overcome their addiction. You could say keep them addicted or keep them alive until they can access the recovery that you, you admit isn't, isn't readily available. Program, my proposal, the virtual opioid dependency program of tre- pre-treatment housing, of expanding from zero NDP built 
recovery treatment centers to 11 under Alberta, uh, under the United Conservatives onto reserves for four of them directly with our First Nation communities who are disproportionately affected, that that is the best thing we can do for any one of them. I do not meet First Nation chiefs. I do not meet community leaders and, and folks who are suffering from uh, addiction that say, I want to see them consume more drugs. They say, please build out recovery. I need it. Otherwise, I'm so sad to see more and more of my family and friends. You haven't spoken to you haven't spoken to people in, in the addiction community who've said that they want safe supply and they want harm reduction. You're you're saying everybody says they only want recovery. I I have not spoken to people other than activists um, who have an interest in saying that I want to keep people addicted. I can Everyone give you the names of a bunch of doctors if you want because I've had them on the air talking about it. I'm I'm happy to engage with anybody who thinks that there is a way to overcome addiction um, other than death that doesn't have recovery as a part of it. Well, nobody would and say I'm that's saying not what we're that saying. That's disingenuous. In the provincial government, so the only thing I could morally do with my resources is get as many people into the life-saving treatment as possible. Consider this. The NDP, when they were in power, had a $12,400 a month requirement for someone to get into one of the few government-sponsored recovery spaces that they had. Where did they expect folks who suffered from the addiction to methamphetamine and fentanyl to get $1,200 a month? Sir, there's been free government-provided rehabilitation in this province for a very long time. Well, no, we removed the $40 a day, which equals $1,200 a month when we got in. The NDP kept that in for their entire four-year term. So, I mean, this is, the, this is the thought process, Shay. We have to consider what are we doing with our resources? Yeah, are I, we helping enable treatment and recovery? I, or are I, we taking another route? I agree, and recovery is so important. Uh, Minister, I've kept you longer than I should have. I'm late for a break. No, but no, it's, I'm it, happy to keep chatting. No, I, I know it's a great conversation. What, what I can do is put you on hold, and we can come back if you want to do that after the news. Well, you know what? Well, let's do it I, another time. Let's do it another is. time. Why don't we yeah. set a time up, and I'll come back here soon, and we can chat again, Shay. You got it. We'll book it. Thanks so much. But I am very late for a break. Thank you, Minister. We'll be back after the news.